You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. Happy Easter, Radiant Church. I hope you guys are doing well. You look fantastic on this Easter Sunday. Hey, there is a tradition that has made its way into the Western Church, and it's a bit of a call response. Some of you know it. Some of you don't know it. I'm going to teach, teach it to you uh, very quickly here. Here's what we're, we're going to do, and I need your participation. I'm going to say, he is risen, and then you're going to respond, he is risen indeed. You got it? Okay, here we go. He is risen. He is risen indeed. All right, one more time. He is risen. He is risen indeed. All right, amen. Awesome. You sound amazing this morning. Hey, if we haven't met, my name is Marco, and I am the lead pastor of Radiant Church. Thank you so much for making Radiant a part of your weekend, especially if you are new with us or maybe you're visiting from out of town. We're so honored that you would worship with us the living God, Jesus Christ, today here in this place. And really, our prayer at Radiant Church is very, very simple, and it's just simply this. We want you to have an encounter with Jesus Christ that will transform you and change your life forever. That's what we want. In fact, our prayer is that you would know him more than anything, and that's our prayer as we go into this service every time we gather on a Sunday morning. Well, listen, as we turn on the news and as we look at our world in distress right now, we see and hear lots of bad news, right? Lots of bad news. We see violence. We see death. We see natural disasters. We see chaos. We see lots of confusion right now in culture. Uh, We see divisions. I mean, disease and sickness, the list can go on and on and on. We see and hear bad news every single day. And I love Easter Sunday because Easter Sunday is about good news, right? Good news. How many of you, by show of hands, if you'd help me out, participate? I know maybe some of you come from a church background where it's like you never say a word. It's different here at Radiant Church, okay? So we we love to have crowd participation, but listen, How many of you, by show of hands, enjoy receiving good news? Raise your hand if you love receiving good news. Yeah, I love receiving good news. I uh, remember when my wife first announced to me, she gave me the news that she was expecting our first daughter, our first child. She had a card, and she had wrote a message in that card. She had me open it up and read it in front of her. It was the announcement, and for us, that was such an exciting time. It was such Good news. But listen, good news doesn't have to be that big. It can be small news. Good news can be discovering or realizing that you have a gift card that you didn't know you had, right? And if it's a gift card for a restaurant, that's even better yet because I like food. I like to eat, okay? So maybe your good news looks like that. Maybe your good news is that you come home to, to see, to realize that the Amazon package has arrived a day early. Come on, someone, right? Right? For some of you, that's every other day, but that's a different problem. We'll talk about that some, sometime differently, right? The box has arrived again. For others of you, maybe it's been a, a battle with cancer, and the doctor, you see the doctor, and he or she says, you have a clean bill of health. Man, that is good news. I love receiving good news. I love that Easter is about 
good news. The word gospel, maybe you've heard that word before, the, the word gospel literally means good news. I don't know if you knew this. Now, in, in its original context, the word gospel was used to signify an announcement of a victory over battle, a victory from a battle, and the message that would follow that. There would be a, a herald, someone who would have come and make this great announcement that victory, right, victory has been won. It was another way to actually announce the birth or the rise of a new king. It was good news. It was the gospel. Now, when we look at the New Testament in the scripture, the word gospel is the good news of what Jesus Christ has done and accomplished for us. It's the good news that Jesus died in our place to redeem humanity, taking the punishment of a rebellion of our, what we call sin. He dies on the cross. Three days later, he's brought back to life. It's the good news that, that Jesus is coming again to judge the living and the dead and to make all things new, or as one theologian N.T. Wright says, to right every wrong. That's the good news. You see, the good news or Jesus coming back to life after being dead for three days is such good news. We call this the resurrection and it really is a very significant point of our faith. In fact, let me just say this. Did you know that the cornerstone of Christianity, the cornerstone of our faith, is the resurrection from Jesus Christ from the grave? The fact that he lives, the fact that the tomb is empty, our faith really hinges on that. That is the foundation of what we believe one of the writers of the New Testament, he was, his name was Paul. Paul wasn't always a believer, actually. Paul was actually an enemy of the church, and he was converted. He had an experience with the resurrected Christ, and it changed him. Paul violently opposed the church. He didn't want anything to do with it. So if you're here this morning and you're like, I don't want anything to do with this, well, listen, Paul can relate. Well, Paul writes this letter to a church in Corinth. Corinth is located in Greece. It was written about the year A.D. 53 to A.D. 55. And I want you to notice here in just a moment what Paul writes about the resurrection to these Christians there living in Corinth. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul writes this. He says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is, is futile. It's kind of a waste, right? You are still in your sins, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. This is what Paul says. If, if Jesus hasn't been raised, we're lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. In other words, Paul writes here, he's trying to say this. Listen, if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, listen, we've been duped. Shame on us, right? Shame on us for believing a myth or a fairy tale or even at worst, a lie. If Christ hasn't risen from the grave, 
Shame on us. Listen, if, if Jesus is still dead, we're still in our sins. He hasn't defeated the grave. He hasn't defeated death. And on top of that, church, can I just tell you, we've wasted a lot of time on Sunday mornings, okay? We've wasted a lot of time on Sunday mornings. You could have been golfing. If golf is your thing, it's not my thing, but it might be your thing. You could have been waking up late and eating brunch, and some of you do that on the regular. You could have been arriving early to Ford Field to watch the Lions lose yet another game, right? Although we're going to the bowl this year, I believe that, okay? I don't know what bowl, but we're going to one bowl, right? We've wasted a lot of time. So why is the resurrection so important? Well, because of this. It proves who Jesus is. It demonstrates that God accepted Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf. It shows that God has the power to raise us from the grave. It guarantees that the bodies of those who believe in Christ will not remain dead, but will be resurrected to eternal life. The resurrection, listen, is such a big deal, you guys. It's such a big deal that if it's true, if it's true, a decision to follow and trust Jesus is the most important decision you could ever make. It's more important than who you'll marry. It's more important than the job or the career that you'll give your life to. It's more important then the house that you're going to buy or the neighborhood that you'll live in, it is the most important thing or decision that we could ever make to trust and to follow Jesus. Now, listen, this morning, I won't assume that all of you believe this, okay? We've got three services. Every service will be, will be full, I believe. I won't believe that you all believe this because, listen, I know that in a crowd this size, in this room, we have, we have critics we have cynics, we have skeptics, we got some prodigals, you grew up in church, you're, that's the last thing you're doing right now is faith, church is the last thing that you want, but you're here just because of family. We have some believers in here, I know that we do, <clears throat> we have some fanatics and some followers so wherever you're at on that spectrum this morning, I want to just say welcome to Radiant Church. We're so glad that you're with us, but can we just take a few moments while you're here? Because you're not here by accident. I want you to know that. You're not here by accident, but by divine design, God has brought you to this place. And while we're together, listen, it's not going to be long, but while we're together, why don't you do this? Why don't we do this? Why don't we investigate these great claims that Jesus is the Son of God? That he is risen. He is risen indeed. And so here's what I want to do. Uh, we're going to look at one of the resurrection accounts uh, written by a man named Matthew. Matthew used to be a tax collector. He was working for the Roman government there in the, the first century. Matthew was converted. He, be, he became a Christ follower. And we're going to look at Matthew's recollection, recollection or his record of Jesus being raised to life from the grave. Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse number one. You can follow along with me. Here's what it says. After the Sabbath, 
at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. And the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he's risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. Then you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them, the resurrected Christ. Greetings, he said, and they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid, because if you saw a guy who was dead and now he's alive, you'd be afraid too, okay? So you'd be shaking in your boots. Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. There they will see me. Jesus makes that promise. So... Let's take a few moments, let's pray, and then we're going to get into the rest of our message this morning. Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you so much for the resurrection, Lord. And I pray, God, today that just your presence and your spirit would be among us. God, I pray that you might just move in our hearts. Lord, wherever we find ourselves, whether we're prodigals, whether we're cynics, skeptics, critics, Lord, we've deconstructed, whatever that looks like, God, just meet us in this place, Lord. Father, whether we're believers or fanatics, God, we pray that you open blind eyes, unlock deaf ears, soften our hardened hearts. We know that hearts are often hardened because life is difficult. Life can be dark. Life can be just uh, incredibly hard. And so would you soften our hearts, Lord, for, especially for those of us who've been through trauma, through heartache, through death maybe, through disappointment, disillusionment, God, would you soften hearts today, I pray, Lord. Spirit of the living God, come and do what I cannot do, and that is to make your son, Jesus Christ, visible and known. I pray that we might draw to, near to Jesus and that lives would be touched and that people would leave here changed and never the same. God, do it. Do it today. On this Easter, April 9th, 2023, do it again, God. We trust you. We love you. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen, amen. All right. Well, is it true? Did Jesus really come back from the grave? That's what we're going to do with the rest of our time. We're going to explore that bold claim that Jesus made that we find in scriptures. And today, this morning... I want to give you eight reasons, eight reasons why we can believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Eight reasons why we can believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this is not an exhaustive list. There are actually many more, to be honest with you, but you can do your own research. But I want to just give you eight reasons, and we'll start now. Number one, 
Jesus really died. Uh, we have to start there because some people claim that Jesus kind of got himself off the cross and he just kind of walked away and just hid in the cave for a while and then, you know, appeared to his disciples. But let me just tell you, in the first century context, the Romans knew how to kill people, okay? They did it well, actually. So Jesus was not only nailed to a cross, but we have to remember that Jesus was what? He was whipped and he was flogged. And when he was flogged, the Romans would use this weapon. It was known as a cat of nine tails. A cat of nine tails would have these leather strands, nine of them coming out. At the end of each strand would be a piece of bone or a hook. And the bone would literally tenderize the back side of Jesus. And then the hooks would grasp into his backside and literally rip off the flesh. It was absolutely brutal. In fact, he was so marred that you couldn't even, the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament talks about that he was disfigured. You couldn't even recognize Jesus. He was so beaten and bloodied. Did you know this, that medical experts concluded that Jesus would have gone into hypervolemic shock due to the loss, the massive loss of blood. There's no way that Jesus would have ever survived this. In fact, in the ancient world, Persians and, and the Romans would crucify their enemies when they defeated them in battle. And most of them, many of them, didn't even survive the whippings and the floggings. They didn't even make it to the wooden beam on the cross. They died before that. And so this morning, I want to just tell you, Listen, that there's no way Jesus would have survived this sort of, sort of torment. Some of you have heard the term excruciating. Have you ever heard that? He was in excruciating pain. Do you know where we get that from? We get that from the cross. That word literally means from the cross. It's to describe. It was used to describe the pain that Jesus endured on that Friday. And so, friends, I want to just tell you that in the scholarly community, there is no argument, there is no debate that Jesus was crucified under Pontius Pilate and he died. So, Jesus really died. Number two, Jesus predicted his resurrection from death. He predicted his resurrection from death in the Synoptic Gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We call those the Synoptic Gospels because they're very much alike each other. Jesus really emphasizes this point by using two different phrases. One phrase is on the third day, and the other phrase is uh, after three days. Let me show you one of those instances. It's in Mark chapter 8, verse 31. Here's what Mark records. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and here it is, church, and after three days rise again. Now, you can explore this for yourself, but in Mark chapter 9, same thing happens. Mark chapter 10, once again, Jesus predicts he would die, be crucified. He would be raised to life once again. Jesus knew his mission. Jesus knew that he was sent from the Father to do that, to live the life that we could not live, that was a life without sin, to die the death that we deserved, and guess what? To rise again. Jesus actually prophesied his own rising. That's amazing. Number three, Jesus' family worshipped him as God. Just think about that for a moment. 
What would it take for your family to worship you as God? <laughs> Some of you are laughing, right? I think it would take a resurrection. Now, I know my brothers and my sisters love me. Like me, I think. Worship me? Not a chance, right? Not a chance. But this is what we see happen in the New Testament. There are two letters in the New Testament from Jesus' family, James and Jude. You can read them yourself. Now, James and Jude did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God while he was alive, still on the earth. But after his resurrection, they became what? Ardent disciples. Ardent disciples. Even his mother. Jesus' mother worshipped Jesus, called him God. Luke 1.47 says, God, my Savior. She called him God, my Savior. What would it take for your brothers and your sisters to worship you and found a religion? Probably, at the very least, it would take a resurrection. And that's what we see happen here in the New Testament. Jesus' siblings worshipped him as God. Number four, Jesus' tomb was found by women. Why is this important? Well, the gospel accounts tell us that women were the very first to arrive at the empty tomb. Now, in the days of the New Testament, women, listen, were not regarded as equal citizens to men in the Roman culture, and their testimonies were most likely not accepted in a court of law. So here's the idea. Listen, if you're going to make a story up about some guy dying and coming back for, to life, you're not going to include in your story that women found the empty tomb. That would be ridiculous. You wouldn't do that because why? Because no one would believe you, right? And so why is it recorded like that in the New Testament then? Because it actually happened, right? It actually happened. The women discovered the tomb and the tomb was indeed empty. It was empty. Number five, Jesus appeared to more than 500 people. This is amazing. I don't know if you knew this, but did you know that when Jesus came back to life, he appeared to more than 500 people? In fact, in the book of Acts, Luke tells us this, that Jesus appeared over the course of 40 days. 40 days. This is wild. People saw Jesus. They hung out with Jesus. They ate with Jesus. They probably gave Jesus a high five. It was in groups, in individuals, all types of people. Over 500 people saw the resurrected Jesus, you can read about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, let me just ask you a question. Did 500 people have a hallucination at the same time? Were 500 people sort of tripping on shrooms? No way, right? And, and when you think about a, a hallucination, listen, it doesn't even work like that. A hallucination is like a dream. You can't just have a dream and then wake up and say, hey, wasn't that dream awesome? How'd you like that? I don't know what you're talking about, buddy. Okay. I didn't have the same dream you did, okay? 500 people saw the resurrected Jesus. Now, you could think, well, okay, Pastor Marco, yeah, but, 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 but five, seven, eight people may have thought it was Jesus, but it wasn't Jesus. Well, guess what? If there's 500 people, don't you think others would say, hey, no, 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 it's him. No, it's him. Come in, let, me, let me show you. I, I thought I was tripping too, man. But listen, it's really Jesus. 500 people hallucinate. They just have some sort of dream. That would be absolutely crazy. Either they must have seen Jesus or hundreds of people must have been part of an elaborate conspiracy that lasted for decades. 
If this was a hoax, it would have had to last for years. And each of the dozens of conspirators would have had to take the secret to his grave. Come on, 500 people saw the resurrected Jesus. Number six, Jesus' disciples went from cowards to courageous. From cowards to courageous. You may remember one of Jesus' disciples, his name was Peter. He was in the inner, inner circle, James, John, Peter. That was his inner circle. Peter um, was one of his closest followers. And when Jesus was headed to the cross, Peter denies Jesus three different times. He denies him. Like, I don't even know him. Like, I'm not with him. He's a coward. He knows what the end of Jesus will be. And he's like, I, I, I ain't with him. I don't even know that dude. He denies Jesus three different times. But what happens after he sees the resurrected Jesus? He becomes courageous. He becomes courageous. So much so that when the religious rulers threatened him and they said, Peter, if you don't stop preaching about Jesus, we're killing you. Peter said, bring it on. In fact, he says this, that he wasn't even worthy to die in the same manner as his Lord and that he wanted to be hung on a cross upside down. And that's the way he was killed. Peter goes from being a coward to courageous. How does that happen to somebody? How do you go from being afraid of dying to not fearing death at all? Well, here's how it happens. If you're afraid of dying, and then you meet the one who's conquered death, listen, that fear that once gripped you no longer grips you. And so all of the disciples of Jesus, listen, gave their lives. They were killed. They were martyred, except for John, of course. The apostle John was uh, sent to, was exiled to the island of Patmos. But all the rest of the disciples gave their life. For what, a lie? How would you do that? That's insane. For what? Because they thought he was a good person? Paul, Romans chapter 5, I believe it is, says no one does that. That's absurd. And so the disciples, listen, go from cowards to becoming courageous. It's incredible. Number seven, the evidence of the rise of the early church. The evidence of the rise of the early church. Historians talk about this, actually. It's what started with 12 disciples turned into 33 million followers in just 350 years. In fact, by the year AD 400, check this out, more than half of the Roman Empire, Empire had been converted to Christianity. In a short amount of time, the rise of the church, of the early movement. How does that happen? For a lie? For a hoax? Why would anyone want to do that? Number eight, Jesus is alive and changing lives to this day. We see it at Radiant Church all the time. I see it quite often when I pray with people and I hear from people. People set free from addiction, alcohol, drugs, substances, right? Pornography. I mean, you name it, like depression, anxiety, trauma, confusion, chaos, right? They're set free even today. Jesus is coming back again, okay? He's coming back again. He's going to fix everything that we've broken, everything that we've stained I met Jesus at the age of 27. That's when I met him. And can I just tell you, he changed my life in a dramatic way. 
He still forgives sin. He still gives hope. He still transforms lives. That's the Jesus that we serve. That's the Jesus that we know. Christians are not perfect, but can I just tell you, they are those who are being transformed by the love of God. They are transformed by the love of God and being transformed by the love of God. Jesus can set you free. Jesus can heal you, restore you. Jesus has come to heal today, to set free today. Now, we looked at eight reasons, and I think these are really good reasons, but some of you, I know there's a few of you in here, you're like, I still don't believe it. Your heart is so hardened. You're like, I don't care. I don't care if it's real. I'm not following him. I, I, I would just ask you, would, 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 here's the thing. If the resurrection is true, I want you to remember this. This is sobering words. <laughs> don't tell you somebody didn't tell you, okay? Don't tell, me, don't, tell, don't tell anyone that someone didn't tell you. I'm telling you right now. If the resurrection is true, everything that Jesus said is also true. It's also true. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's the son of God. He's God incarnate. He's the only one that can save if it's true. If, if the resurrection is true, he's coming back again. He's going to judge the living and those who are dead. He's going to judge them. But if you're in Christ, you will rule and reign with him. And today, listen, I want you to know him. So the idea is this, church, listen, it doesn't matter what I believe. Listen, what really matters is what do you believe and what will you do with that? What do you believe? Some people say, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in Jesus. Well, who told you that? Where'd you get that from? Most people cannot give me a good explanation. They're like, well, it was like, you know, it was a history channel, documentary. Oh, okay. Well, it's one of those things. Okay. okay you, you did the research. I mean, and maybe some of you did, but so many of us, we don't even know why we believe what we believe. And I just want to challenge you this morning. If you're not going to believe in Jesus, then you better find out what you believe. Because if what you're believing is a lie, it's going to cost you your life. Everything. It will cost you everything. If we trust in Jesus, listen, we're spared from this eternal judgment and we're ushered into the presence of God for all eternity. It's good news. Here's how Jesus put it. John 11, 25, 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. Here it is. And the life, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? I love what Jesus says. His death means no death for us. His resurrection means our resurrection. It's coming for us as well. For those who have died in Christ, it means they will live. They're alive right now, and they will be given a real, physical, resurrected body again. That's amazing. Here's what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4.14. For we believe, we believe that Jesus died and he rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Church, I just want to plead with you because I know some of you will never be here again. You may never hearken the doors of Radiant Church, darken the doors of Radiant Church. Listen, I, I want to say if you believe, if if you believe that Christ is real, that he resurrected from the grave, don't waste another moment of your life. Turn to him. I plead with you. Turn to him. Give your life. Give your heart. Surrender. Bow your knee. Bow your life, your decisions, your future. 
Give everything to him. And you may not feel it right now. You may be conflicted on the inside of you, but even right now, begin to bow your will to his. Maybe some of you are here this morning and you're thinking, but, but, but then I gotta, I gotta break up with her. I gotta walk away from him. Listen, that may indeed be what he's calling you to. I gotta stop being with those people. You can still love them, but he may be calling you out. And I want to just encourage you this morning that if that's you, if that's you, trust and follow Jesus today. Let me pray with you, and we're going to sing one more song. But I want to pray with you because some of you are here, and you're ready for that. You're ready for that. You've explored all kinds of broken relationships. You've explored every alcoholic drink you can imagine. You've smoked everything that could be rolled up possible. You've tried every sexual escapade. I mean, you've done it all. And you've ended up empty-handed, alone, disillusioned. And today, I think there's at least a few of you who are ready to say yes to Christ. I want to pray with you right now. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray right now. Father in heaven, we love you. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe that three days later, he was risen to life. We believe that he is coming again to judge the living and the dead. Father, forgive us for the ways that we've thought were right. Forgive us for doing what was right in our own eyes, God. And we just turn away right now. Forgive us of all of our sin. We turn to you, God. Give us a new heart, Lord. Make us new, Lord. Today, we choose to follow Jesus, and we're never turning back. We're never turning back. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet. Let's sing to our King for his victory.